Welcome to the mikvah.org podcast. The mikvah organization has been dedicated to the education and resources for Jewish family life since 1975-5735. You can support our vital work at mikvah.org forward slash donate. Thank you for your support and enjoy today's recording. Okay, hi, good evening, and shalom aleichem to everybody. Um, thanks so much for being with us this evening in our uh, second installment. Um, shalom aleichem to those who are live. Shalom aleichem to those listening uh, at a later time via podcast. Um, two administrative items. Number one uh, is the administration asks or allows, I don't know what to call it, 100%, that if any of the male participants would like to turn on their videos, please feel free to do so. Uh, on a personal note, it's actually a bit easier for me to uh, you know, get some facial feedback from people. Otherwise, I'm kind of just like staring at a blank screen. Uh, so um, you know, obviously, everybody's comfort. Uh, and the second announcement from the administration is that if anyone has any questions, please feel free to post them in the chat um, and only the hosts will be able to see the chat questions. So you don't have to worry uh, that other participants, you know, uh, might be seeing your questions or put together a, a question and a name. Okay, so I thought uh, this evening we will continue where we left off. Um, and that really is, you know, speaking about some of the issues that come up uh, perhaps from uh, Bacherhood all the way up to adulthood. That's kind of where we are uh, developmentally. So <clears throat> that's kind of uh, going to be the structure of this evening to talk about, you know, Bachar to uh, Bachar to adulthood, some of the issues that come up. Emir uh, Tashem, we will speak about uh, some of the non-spiritual uh, slash religious issues with porn. So we all obviously are very, very familiar and in tune with the religious spiritual uh, aspects um, of the problems with pornography, but you know, maybe to be able to speak about uh, some of the other things uh, that it does to our brains and bodies. Uh, another important question whenever we're, we're speaking about um, you know, potential conversation with Bachram, how explicit uh, do we wanna be? So you know th those will be that will be the uh, general framework uh, for this evening, and obviously you know depending on the questions that come in, we'll Emir uh, Tisham take it from there. <clears throat> so a lot of the questions uh, that that did come in relate to this question of how how explicit should we be when when we speak to Bahram? and the answer is that that obviously and and I think 
most people um, you know, would, would sense or intuit that this is the answer. The, the question of how explicit to be, it, 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 it can't be one answer. Um, it, it depends when you're having a conversation with a bacher, right? Developmental age. Uh, if, if we you know, are doing it at the quote unquote proper time, so that means hopefully we're having the conversation you know, pre-puberty or right when puberty is setting in. So you know, around 12 for boys, but if that conversation is happening a bit later on in life, uh, you know, for for whatever reason, be better late than never, most certainly, um, you know, so perhaps you would be a little more open, uh, depending on the environment, um, you know, that that a child or a bacher, you know, finds himself in. Sometimes, you know, they're they're very, uh, you know, typical yeshiva settings. But even within yeshiva setting, you know, th there might be a sense that, um, you know, bacherim are speaking more explicitly um, than than in other yeshivas. If for whatever reason a particular bacher is in in a place, he's on shluchos, and you know he can't be in 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 a you know kind of the regular call it mainstream yeshivas, their learning issues, their behavioral issues, whatever it might be. Um, you know, I, th I think you have to be very, very in tune with the environment that that the child finds himself in, in addition to uh, his own level of maturity um, with regards to, to these inyanim. Um, you know, the, the operating principle um, as we said last time, the operating principle is I would like to be the one to provide the chinuch to, to my child uh, about most things. Um, and that could be me, that could be uh, people in yeshiva, manal, mashpia. But I would like uh, a child, Bacher uh, here in particular, to, to be able to hear information directly from a good healthy source in Mir Tashem. I, I don't necessarily want them hearing things from friends. We can't obviously avoid conversations that are taking place, especially, you know, now is camp season, bunks, they're up till three o'clock in the morning. We understand that they're going to be conversations that take place. But but the operating principle is I would like to be the one to to have, you know, almost first say or the the ability to to be magdir issues. Um, in in a way that I want to be magda them, or in a way that you know somebody else who I trust, my proxy, so to speak, uh, you know, is going to be magda them. So, you know, that that will help us to understand how how explicit we want to be. So we have to understand what developmental stage, which is a chronological stage, a child is in. We have to understand their own maturation, right? You can have a fifteen year old who is extraordinarily immature, and you could have a twelve year old who is extraordinarily mature. So we want to put that as part of the cheshbon as, as well. We want to put their, you know, social, their the milieu, where it is that they're operating, you know, how uh, how much access do they have uh, to information? Um, you know, it could very well be that, you know, children in one part of a country or one part of the world, um, you know, have have access, um, you know, to, to certain information where somebody leads a much more isolated uh, existence is not going to have that aspect. So, uh, you know, kind of taking that into mind in terms of how explicit to, to be with a kid, um, a bacher in particular is is going to be very important. Uh, and, and uh, you know, an, another tip, you know, so to speak, would be that when we start to have the conversation with bacherim, Emir Tashem, if, if we're doing it well, we're, we're going to be getting some level of feedback, um, you know, from, from the bacher. To, to know whether, you know, the things that we're talking about are like, you know, almost like, yeah, duh, you know, of course I know that. Um, 
<clears throat> or or whether they really feel that that there's some sort of you know chiddush. Are, are are you being mechadesh something to them, or is this kind of old hat? If if you see right that you're not really providing any new information, perhaps we can be a little more explicit. A, a, a bacher doesn't need to know the ins and outs and the details associated with you know what happens once. Uh, you know, a, a couple gets married. That's not what we're talking about. What, what we are talking about is, you know, had a had a name parts, um, you, you know, of the body, which which I always encourage, you know, to to obviously we're going to use lashanikia as much as possible. Um, but but it is important, at least, you know, once in the conversation to say, you know, this isn't the proper English word, um, you know, for it. Just just so you know that that they know that this is something that can be said, and then you know have a conversation about the importance of of lashanikia as well. But you know, at least there's there's some biological um, you know knowledge that's taking place. So the the point, you know, kind of going back, how explicit should I be? Based on the feedback that that you're getting from a bacher, you know, will will tell you also how much detail, um, you know, they they might be ready for it at a particular moment. If they're asking a lot of questions, it might be kedai to provide some some additional details. Obviously, there's there's always going to be a, a gavol. Um, but you know, if if they're kind of not asking questions and and they seem kind of floaty, uh, you know, leaving it. Um, you know, kind of as as a soft introduction, introduction, so to speak. You, you know, into the topic, having them know that this is obviously something. Um, you, you know that that you're open to. Um, you, you know, op open to talk about uh, with them. If if you're doing um, typically right, if if the conversation goes well, you might get some sense from a child that they might have had these kinds of conversations with friends in yeshiva, uh, in camp, which, which again, would be a very, very normal kind of thing. Obviously, we hope that, you know, everybody goes to sleep on time. We hope that, uh, you know, everybody tries to, um, you know, take the values that we give them during the day and, uh, you know, and, and, and try to, uh, you know, carry those over in, into the, uh, you know, in, into their conversations. But the, the point being that, that there probably is going to be conversation that takes place um, between, uh, you know, between peers. So um, if, if there were, you know, hope, hopefully, again, you know, part one last week is hopefully we're way ahead of the curve with regards to having a conversation with a child, right? We, we started already, you know, bath time, uh, creating an environment, the, the avira of, we can talk about things, right? As, as a child develops, we speak about abuse prevention. We speak about boundaries of the body, privacy of the body. Um, you know, pre-puberty already, we're, we're starting to, um, you know, speak about changes to the body, about puberty, what happens then, uh, you know, the process associated with it. So hopefully we're ahead of the curve. But sometimes, uh, you know, we, we might be behind the curve, there might be some experimental activity that's taking place, um, you know, in even in a yeshiva, cheder uh, type setting. Um, again, based on age, it, it's obviously inappropriate, but it might not be all that developmentally inappropriate. We have to establish boundaries, we have to have a conversation with them. But the point is that if, if we've established a good rapport um, with Bahrain, they might share with us that, yeah, I heard this information when I was in fourth or fifth grade. Great. 
what, you know, would you mind sharing what information you heard so that I could give you feedback, you know, whether that's true or whether it's not true, or you know, um, if I could frame it differently for you. So if, if you know, if, if somebody, if, if a child, especially a bacher, uh, you know, because that's really my focus, right, is, is on the, the uh, you know, bacher and men, um, if 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 there's been some sharing, you know, from from that bacher, yeah, I heard this information. That's a great opportunity to be able to say, okay, you know, thank you so much for for telling me that. Would you, uh, you know, like to share the information so that I can give you some feedback associated with it? And perhaps then that's a springboard to either decide, okay, you know, I think that's enough information. Do I want to be a little more open? Do I want to be, um, you know, a, a, a little more explicit, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, with with what it is that's going on? Um, you know, the the other part of this is you also now have an opportunity to be able to frame intimacy or physical contact in, in the way that you want it framed. So it's being able to encourage a bacher, right, to, to not only see this as a, as a physical activity, which is certainly true, but really to, to be able to frame it that this is part and parcel of having a wonderful relationship. And what does wonderful relationship actually mean? What are the components of relationship? So, you know, that's probably a very, very different schmooze. I'm, I'm sure there have been plenty of people who have spoken about this idea. But being able to, to frame intimacy, to be able to, to frame physical activity within the context of a beautiful, wonderful relationship is probably not something that 15-year-old Bachram are speaking about uh, you know, in, in the camp setting at three o'clock in the morning. And that's a unique opportunity, um, you know, that, that you have is, is to take, you know, actual information and frame it to be mechanich, the, the children, right, in, in Bahrain, especially, in the way that you want to be mechanich and to frame those issues in the way that, that you uh, want them framed. So, you know, hopefully that gives some guidelines in, in terms of this idea of, you know, how, how explicit to be. One of the other, you know, questions that often comes up when, when it comes to, to speaking to Bahrain, right, is, is basically, you know, this question of, you know, is, is it okay to tell them, you, you know, listen, uh, you, you know, this, there is an idea of physicality, there is an idea of, of intimacy, physical relationship is, is certainly part of a overall uh, marital relationship that, that takes place, but, you know, kind of, don't worry, you'll get there, you know, try to hold off. So to a certain extent, you, you know, I think that that certainly is is true. Um, I, I don't know how uh, how helpful, right? It's it's ultimately going to be in terms of um, practical behavioral uh, changes, right? It 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 often I think will become very difficult for a bacher to say, oh, okay, you know, I'm not going to give into a taiva because you know, in six years from now I'm going to be married. I, I think that's asking a lot, you know, from from a bacher. So I don't know how. Uh, motivating it's actually going to be from a behavioral standpoint but um philosophically right in terms of the hashkafa that we're giving over right that's that's a, it's it's a wonderfully healthy message to be able to give over to a bacher the message of where this fits right in into the the larger picture of the kind of uh, relationship that we're looking to create in a marriage because you know if, if we think about it it, it, there's some very, very strange messaging, appropriate, healthy, but but still very, very strange messaging, right, that takes place for, for adolescents. We, we all know that adolescents have a, a very, very strong hypocrisy meter, 
right? Sometimes they're they're very, very black and white thinkers. You know, is this right or is it not right? Why did you tell me to do this? You yourself did X, Y, or Z, right? The, the hypocrisy meter is, is very, very finely tuned. And sometimes they, they really let you know it, right? If, if it's a parent, if it's a school staff member, et cetera, et cetera. So it actually becomes, if we think about it, a very, very confusing message, right? For, for girls, especially, right? We, we speak about sneas, right? Since uh, girls are very, very young. And now all of a sudden, right? There's this, uh, you know, wonderfully beautiful uh, chuppah that, that takes place. And now all of a sudden, right? All the things that, that I used to be telling you, right? Now it's different. So, you know, uh, girls get a wonderful education, kind of, you know, the, the time and place, right, uh, associated with it. But to to be able to give over that, you know, that message, um, you know, to, to Bahram winds up being very, very important also. Not, not again, not necessarily in terms of um, trying to get behavioral change out of it, but being able, able to provide that context that, yes, the reason why Tznias is so important for women before marriage, right, and obviously after marriage also, um, and, and the reason why this is, um, you know, so much of a delicate topic is because it does play a very, very special and unique role in the marital relationship. So, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, with younger kids, we can use the muscle, you know, the Sefer Torah that's in the Aaron Kodesh, right? It's it's always there. It's it's always Kadosh, right? But we only take it out and, and you know, and and literally we we kiss it, right? When when it's coming out on on some very unique and, you know, very uh, special occasions. We could use a muscle of the Kohen Gadol, the Kodesh Kadashim, right? There's some very, very unique times where, you know, something is appropriate to do, but within a context of time, place, context of a relationship that's that's taking place. So, you know, we, we can frame that for, for Bahram as well, that, you know, one of the reasons why we why we keep that distance, right, is is to create that overall sense of of specialness. So uh, you know some of those messages, you know, resonate uh, much more with with women than than perhaps it does with Bahram. But but even Bahram, you know, even your your average teenage boy, you, you know, can understand that um, we're not necessarily being uh, hypocrites. We're not we're 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 not giving uh, we're not speaking about two sides of our mouth. We really are giving one uh, comprehensive message, and that comp comprehensive message is yes, but not now. Um, and and that framework, uh, you know, ultimately can can be very very helpful. So. I hope, uh, you know, I, I hope that that this uh, portion, you know, the, the question of how explicit to be, um, uh, you know, and, and how much do we talk to Bachram about, uh, you know, really delaying gratification, uh, you know, I, I, I think that that's helpful. And, and maybe just just one more point, um, it, you know, in general, uh, what we help uh, adolescents to, to do is to delay gratification, right? Y young kids want something, generally, they don't have the patience to wait, so so they get it. Through adolescence, what we want, um, right, is to get rid of pig, um, pig rush the tables problem of immediate gratification. You you don't necessarily need what it is that you want right here and right now. That doesn't mean you won't get it, right? But but if you think about it, right, the the essence of adolescence is to is to really ask the question: What is it that I actually want, and what's my time frame? Right of acceptability of when it is that that I'm going to get it, so you know that that's a general educational developmental goal that we try to do for Bachrim to all all teenagers, frankly, and the the idea of intimacy or or to 
you know, togetherness and, and um, intimacy within, uh, specifically within marriage, can be part of that overall conversation, right? If, if we've had a conversation with a Bachar about uh, delaying gratification, this actually fits, you know, very, very beautifully into that uh, framework as well. So, uh, you know, kind of added point. Um, one more, uh, maybe a little uh, quick tip, so to speak. Um, and, and this is especially for fathers, and, and we spoke about last time why, uh, you know, it's really, really important for fathers to have the conversation with their sons. It sends a very, very important message that we very much, very much want to give over. <clears throat> um, so, you know, kind of a little hack is um, when when a father's having a conversation with a bacher, so try to do it uh, side by side um, or through an activity. Right, so if you sit a bacher down at a table, usually, right, historically, what that means is that they've been called into a principal's office, or you need to talk to them about something that they've done wrong. But if you say, you know, Shlaimi, can we go ahead and take a walk? The first of all, it's sending a right, it's sending a different kind of message of, you know, hey, this is going to be fun, this is interesting, this is uh, bonding and together time. But what it also does is doesn't doesn't necessitate. Um, eye contact. And if this is going to be an uncomfortable conversation for a bacher, hopefully it won't be an uncomfortable conversation for the tati, um, though sometimes it very much is. Um, but the the lack of need to have eye contact actually, you know, makes things uh, much calmer. So taking a walk is, you know, is is the obvious example. Uh, you know, I had a, a, a father the other day, uh, you know, tell me that, you know, occurred a, a, another time where, you know, I kind of uh, gave this suggestion and they uh, uh, took out a, uh, took out a rowboat or a canoe. I forgot what it was, right? And, and it was kind of like back to back. So they were having a conversation while rowing. So, so there wasn't that uh, need for eye contact. Depending on where you are, that's, you know, shyach or not. Uh, another way to do it is <clears throat> ping pong or uh, air hockey, right? So some activity where the, where, you know, kind of the, the social acceptance is that we don't need to be making eye contact. We can just be having a conversation. And, and for boys in particular, they very much uh, appreciate, right, when this is not uh, clinical or formal but, you know, kind of very informal, very relaxed, like, you know, very, quote unquote, chilled, uh, you know, as associated with um, with this conversation. So, you know, kind of a, a little hack, uh, you know, for, for trying to have that conversation. OK, so moving on, obviously, we're, we're still talking about Bacher, but, you know, this is an, an eye towards uh, as uh, men are getting older as well. Um, so let's speak about pornography. So, you know, as as we said at the beginning, there obviously are, are spiritual, religious issues associated with um, watching, viewing pornography, the uh, generally the Sheikh Lazar Batala that takes place along with it. I leave that to much more uh, competent individuals to, to speak about the, the um, religious and, and spiritual component. I would like to <clears throat> speak a little bit, um, you know, about some of the other um, impacts that pornography might have. And <clears throat> this can certainly be included in a conversation with Bahrim or, you know, uh, older, uh, you know, older individuals as well to, to kind of keep in mind in terms of asking this question, you know, aside from the religious spiritual issue, you know, really what's, what's the issue with, with pornography? So <clears throat> the 
research, um, you know, tells us, scientific research uh, tells us that there are a couple of main impacts that pornography uh, is having and the proliferation of pornography. Um, right? it, it, it used to be that it was tougher to get, yeah, to go down to the corner store and actually buy a magazine. Then, you know, there was dial-up internet, then there was Wi-Fi, but you had to generally pay for pornography. Now, pretty much everything is free. So on any device that connects uh, to the internet, um, you know, even if you think you have neutered, uh, you, you know, a child's device, they're, they're, they're going to be much more tech savvy than you. Assume that any device now has the ability to, to um, you know, connect to the internet, which raises a whole other issue with, with regards to filtering. And, you know, maybe we'll get to that. I guess the, the spoiler alert is having a filter on a device is critical, but, but there are huge flaws. Um, you know, at minimum, what we want to do is to have filtering on the level of the router. Um, because you, you you can play catch up all day on individual devices, you're never going to be able to catch up on a router. <clears throat> at least you're you're filtering on on that level. So any device that's connecting to to that particular Wi-Fi, um, you know you have control um, over that filtering that's uh, that's taking place. The the obviously flaw in that is you know somebody can connect to to different Wi-Fi, um, you know a different Wi-Fi network, which is why I do think that the conversation with Bahrain regarding pornography needs to happen um, because we, we really can't uh, protect Bahrain any longer. Even with the, with the best filtering that's taking place in the home, the computer is locked in a drawer, it's only in the living room. It, nowadays, it's, it's virtually impossible to imagine. You can go into CVS or Walgreens or Wawa or you know, what, whatever chain you know, somebody has near them and and a bacher can buy a prepaid phone with you know basically unlimited data for you know 25 30 40 50 dollars so um <clears throat> those times of you know imagining that we can really protect bacher those times are over which is why i think it's critical that that we have part of our conversation about safety about abuse prevention about boundaries about changes in their body about puberty Part, part of the safety conversation now is online safety, which can include bullying as well. Not being bullied, not being the bullier. Um, pornography needs to, to be a part of that conversation. So, you know, what, what are some of the things that, that the research is telling us that, that pornography um, actually does to individuals? So, uh, number one is what's called objectification of typically of, of women. Objectification of women um, is, is basically when, when Bahram are watching pornography, most of the time pornography tries to pick models that have a, a, a you know, a, a certain uh, eye appeal. And there's no, uh, typically there's not much dialogue. You don't really get to know, uh, you know, the, the person that's there. There's a complete um, and unique focus on physical characteristics that are taking place. And what, what the developing Bacher right then um, inculcates as, as part of their psyche is a couple of messages. Number one is that, you know, the, the connection with a female is um, you know specific to this physical connection that there's a certain surah of you know how this individual is going to work 
and and you know the the interaction that's taking place right we we don't have to build a relationship it's not about relationship right it's 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 about that physicality and so then typically Bachram will then start to look at women in a very, very objectified kind of way, right? And, and kind of start to categorize. Is this somebody who I would want to have contact with? Is it not somebody that I want to have contact with, right? Which, which takes away any sense of personality, um, you know, that, that, that uh, somebody might have any sense of, of bonding and connection um, that's, that's actually taking place. And obviously, right, it goes without saying that, that the impact of this on dating and eventual marriage, right, when, when there's an idea of, you know, what somebody needs to look like, or in addition, um, <clears throat> you know, the, the fact that there really doesn't need to be relationship building, and the only relationship that's taking place is, is physical, right, the, the results, you know, as, as we can imagine, are, are certainly disastrous. Uh, number two, uh, research indicates, right, the, the more somebody watch, watches pornography, the more they become, quote, unquote, addicted uh, to that process. <clears throat> how to define addiction again uh totally uh totally different schmooze um but what does happen right is is that somebody um might crave um the uh, pornographic images movies um with an increased frequency <clears throat> um often it will last longer um in terms of um you know how how long uh they're watching pornography for uh, and the third aspect, right? So, so we have an increase in frequency, we have an increase in duration. And the other aspect that, that we see is intensity. The, the more somebody watches pornography, the, the more they will get bored of, you know, quote unquote standard uh, type of pornography and will begin to look for much more unique uh, types of pornography in, in order to get kind of that, that same rush. So it used to be, that we would think of um, sexual fetishes as um, psychologically psychologically oriented. What's what's really been happening in in the past couple of years, and this is a, a pretty significant shift, is that <clears throat> many uh, fetishes that that we're seeing uh, in Bachram and and you know frankly in married men really relate less to underlying psychological reasons and much more to the fact that the more somebody's watching pornography, the more they're consuming, the more they need to start going to the fringe in, in order to, you know, kind of get that rush. Uh, and, and they start getting involved in, you know, in, in, in all sorts of unique uh, types of things. And, and what's happening is that, you know, if, if you have a, you know, unique fetish for, you know, yellow socks and you see, that 5,772 people also want to look for those videos and have liked those videos, it, it becomes a positive reinforcement. Like, oh, I'm not the only one. This, this isn't, you know, this isn't fringe anymore. If so many other people, you know, have liked a similar kind of video. And the fact that that video even exists, right, is, is proof to somebody that, look, I'm, I'm not the only one. So what's happening with, with an increase in, in the availability of pornography and, and the consumption of pornography is, is that it's, it's actually pushed um, to, to increase uh, fetish behavior. Uh, and, and the, you know, sometimes fetish behavior doesn't necessarily have to have a downside, but, but certainly if it's introduced in the marriage, right, 
as as kind of the the standard of you know here here's what I'm into I can't believe you wouldn't be into that as well um, you know it it obviously can can create uh, a lot of tension and friction uh, in in uh, in the marriage as well and 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 uh, impacts right that image of intimacy what what intimacy actually is um, the the muscle that that I will often use. Um, you know, for for you know, when, when we kind of compare, uh, you know, uh, Bachrim and and young ladies, you know, coming into the marriage with their knowledge of of sexuality and and expectations of intimacy, um, et cetera, et cetera, <clears throat> is you know, very often it it reminds me that you know of of um, you know the the boys are kind of like. They've, they've rented a Porsche or a Lamborghini or, you know, some other really, really fast car and, and, and they're ready to go on the Autobahn, you know, kind of like, you know, full speed ahead. They're ready to go like, you know, 250 easy. And, and the girls um, who generally, things are changing, but generally don't have that level of exposure and certainly don't, uh, as a rule, get as into it or as exposed as the Bachram are getting, right? They're kind of on the service road of, of the Autobahn on like a little tricycle with, with a little flag sticking up. And, and, it, and it creates a, a, potentially creates a real tension um, you know, in the marriage, especially at, at the beginning of marriage, where, you know, that the guy, the bucker has, has been exposed to, you know, some level, there, there's this idea of uh, objectifying women, there, there's a notion of intimacy, right, which basically is a non notion of intimacy, I don't have to do much in order to get that pleasure, right, I kind of just have to walk into a room and somebody's there and available, I don't need to build up a relationship, um, you know, they, they might have been exposed to, to all sorts of, you know, scenes about views about, you know, how, how it's done and where it's done and, you know, kind of have all these big hasagas, you know, about what can be done. And, and, and the girls are literally you know, on the service road, and 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 sometimes they they don't know what hit them at all, because you know the the guy's rearing to go, um, you know, and 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 she really is is you know by by holding by Aleph or you know kind of pre Aleph, so it, it you know potentially creates um a, a lot of that tension. Uh, research also tells us that the younger somebody's introduced to pornography, uh, typically the more a violence propensity they will have. So we're talking about, you know, seven, eight, nine, even 10 year olds that are prematurely introduced to pornography. So what we see is, is really two things. Number one is the impact of very premature pornography exposure. The research is telling us that the impact of that, that, that premature exposure, the impact of that is very similar to any hands-on abuse. So, you know, if you take a child that was prematurely introduced to pornography, but there was no hands-on touching, very similar kinds of uh, dynamics are being observed um, with somebody just simply being exposed to, to pornography. So, you know, that's kind of, uh, you know, uh, one thing that that's uh, really being seen. Uh, but the other really important part is, you know, if, if we think about what might be viewed or what might be seen, uh, on a uh, pornographic clip. So for for an eight, nine or 10 year old, you know, e even something that's relatively calm, you know, that, that they might have seen, I'm not talking about, you know, anything out of fringe, but even something that's relatively calm, for, from the eyes of a seven, eight, nine, even 10 year old, 
that the act could be construed as a violent act, right? Um, the way people are positioned, uh, you know, potential sounds, you know, et cetera, et cetera, for, for a child that, that has no idea about what this is, right? The, the uh, portion of their brain that, that controls uh, sexual interest has, hasn't been lit yet. Um, <clears throat> so, so they see this activity and, and it seems inherently violent or aggressive, right? Again, if we're looking at it from their eyes. So the research is telling us that the earlier a child is, is exposed to pornography, there is an increased propensity for a violent interaction um, you know, between individuals. And, and that can spill over to, to male peers and, and that can you know, certainly spill over uh, you know, eventually into their expectation of you know what's going to happen in in a marital relationship, and you know what 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 we are seeing and the research is is emerging as well is that this violent uh, you know propensity if if somebody now is going to be thirteen or fourteen and and they have this you know kind of idea or image that's going to be the type of uh, pornography that they might be consuming, which then winds up reinforcing those messages that intimacy right is has has a violent or aggressive component um, that's that's taking place as well um <clears throat> I guess maybe uh, one final point and then perhaps I'll I'll um, you know pause this section for for some questions or comments on the chat and again for anyone that came late the the questions on the chat, can only be viewed by the host and nobody else will see your questions. So the, the final uh, point that I really wanna bring out in terms of uh, the scientific research of the impact of pornography, especially on, on a developing brain, is, is this idea of a brain hijack. Um, you know, Rebeim, uh, Manalim are, have, have gotten very, very good at recognizing some of these signs and symptoms of Bacharim who are uh, heavily involved in pornographic use. What happens is, is that, you know, generally we see a decrease in uh, school functioning. Um, a lot of that can be attributed to lack of sleep. There's, there's a lot of, you know, glassy eyes, um, you know, kids falling asleep at their desk. Um, th there's significant issues that take place with regards to attention and focus. So some kids who actually have a, a relatively uh, significant pornography issue are thought to have ADHD. Um, they, they might, but the signs and symptoms that, that we're seeing of um, increased uh, pornography consumption um, are, are, are really uh, at times, you know, mimic uh, ADHD symptomology, the ability to uh, learn new information and retain new information um, is being severely impacted as well, right? So, so if we think about this muscle of a hijack, <clears throat> right, there, there's, there's almost this crisis, um, you know, taking place in the brain, right? The cockpit gets stormed, right? And, and all the pilots really want to do is, is, all they have to do is, you know, focus on on flying the plane that that's really the only thing that they can do right they're they're, they're not thinking about uh, you know what they're going to have for dinner they're not thinking about uh, you know uh, whether there's a stain on their shirt they're, they're certainly not thinking about baba kama and and the ktos and they're not thinking about the mimer right they're, they're singularly focused on 
literally on on simply on survival. So, um, you know, as as parents, we need to be able to recognize, uh, you know, the, those signs of of this brain hijack. Um, you know, if if somebody from school, you know, will will call and say, "Hey, I'm really concerned about you know Shmuley." Um, you know, because he, he seems really tired, he seems, you know, really uninvolved, um, you know, in, with his chavrusa, you know, he seems like very off to the side, very often he'll seem uh, very sad, um, he seems extraordinarily secretive, you know, I went over to him, uh, you know, gave him a, a you know, a, a tap on the shoulder, obviously in public, and I said, you know, Shmueli, you look a little sad, you know, what's going on? Nothing, nothing, nothing. Right, very defensive right away. So, so those are a lot of the signs and symptoms that that we're seeing with this, uh, you know, brain hijack. Um, you know, a lot of that that glassy eyed, you know, kind of like very not present, uh, you know, type of type of behavior that's that's taking place. So, uh, I guess we'll we'll pause. Uh, you know, I, I see that some uh, questions did come in. Um, so we'll pause for a second, you know, I'll take a look at the questions, uh, and then Amir Tashem, we will, uh, you know, kind of continue uh, along the developmental stages. So one of the questions that came in, at what age do you have a conversation with your son about online safety? Um, a, a lot of that is going to depend when you realistically think that there, that there might be access to, to something online. So and 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 then you know kind of bring that back by by a year or two right because because we always want to be ahead of the curve so you know in some places that are extraordinarily isolated right and and we know that the kids not going to get access to anything and there's no computer at home and there're no smartphones or whatever it is like sure we we can kind of you know push push that out a little bit if a kid is on online school you you can be the most helicoptery parent that's around and you can have the most sophisticated filter on your computer i guarantee you that your children are probably more tech savvy than you um and and um you, you know that it's not to, to be you know your child it's it's a reality of of a situation it's it's a reality of of the curiosity of childhood and adolescence so you know when to have that conversation about online safety i think it, it's it's going to depend on a lot of the factors uh you know that that we spoke about before in terms of how explicit to be you you have to know your setup but you know very much to to try to be ahead of that curve that's kind of point number one um it, it, it is a safety issue, right? So, so we want to try to have it early in, in case, um, you know, they, they do stumble upon it, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously what we spoke about the first, um, the first session, you know, last week was really opening that dialogue, which is why it's so important for fathers to have this conversation with a kid. If we've opened the dialogue, right? And already since three years old, right? The kid has, Bakr has gotten a message that he can speak to mommy, he can speak to Tati about these things. If there is an accidental exposure at eight or nine years old, that can now be spoken about because hopefully the kid knows, right, that that he can, um, you know, speak to you about the issue. So, you know, when to have the conversation, you know, think think about starting to have online safety conversation, um, you know, much earlier than than we used to. So probably around nine or 10, but it's it's going to depend on circumstance, um, you know, a little bit, but even planting those seeds, so to speak, about online safety, you know, really, really important. The, the other thing, you know, that I will say is like everything else, and, and we spoke about the hypocrisy meter, you know, a little while ago, like everything else, um, you know, it, it has to be 
do as I do and not do as I say. So if, if a parent has a conversation with a kid about online safety and the fact that the computers need to be in public areas and when you're using your smartphone, it needs to be in a public area and you know, kind of all of the gadarim that we're gonna set up <clears throat> for hope, hopefully healthy living, if, if a parent isn't doing that and they're holding themselves up in their office or in the basement or in the shul or in the Chabad center or in the whatever it is, and they're not adhering to the same rules that they're asking their kids to adhere to, we all know as parents that that you can talk from today till tomorrow about what's good and what's healthy and, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. But, but if kids don't see you doing that also, and in fact, they see you potentially doing the opposite of that, um, that that makes you know more of a uh, more of a Russian than than anything else. So uh, you know, kind of part number one, have that conversation early. We want to be ahead of the curve. Uh, part number two is it's it's got to be modeled to to kids, not just talked about, right? So it's do as I do, and not only do as I say. So uh, one of the questions was, right, if you're going to have the conversation about online safety, uh, you know, with a younger kid that, that might not have, you know, this, this hasaga, you know, kind of what's the language that you use, um, you know, again, very simple, right? Uh, doing things online, right? If this is hashkafically acceptable, uh, you know, to, to you and your family, right? Doing things online has become a reality of life. A lot of the things that we'll find online, shiurim, school, uh, videos of the Rebbe, right? V'chule, v'chule. There, there's some beautiful, amazing things that are available on the, on the internet. But as we know, zelu um, you know, there, there's there's going to be you know tremendous positive. But but wherever there's a sense of tremendous positive, there there also is the opportunity for for the opposite. And, and we have to be very careful. And, and the way that we're going to be careful is by doing these behaviors. Computers going to be in public. Uh, you know, here's how we use smartphones. Here's, you know, uh, here's how we communicate about devices. Uh, you know, just know the there's a filter on the device. Um, some computer, you know, some parents choose to have recording software where keystrokes are, are going to be reported. Tell your children about that, right? Uh, establish this idea, this, this culture of safety that's, that's taking place. So, uh, you know, again, for, for younger kids, you need to be totally explicit about, you know, what's available. I, I don't think necessarily you have to be, you know, what evil or darkness, you know, potentially could be, be there. But, you know, obviously, some, sometimes ads will pop, pop up. Yes, we, we have, you know, ad blocking software that's taking place. Sometimes things get through. Sometimes you'll, you know, you'll watch a YouTube video that's you know, totally fine. And, you know, it might lead to another YouTube video that's not totally fine. Um, you know, being able to establish that dialogue, uh, you know, with a child winds up being really, really important, um, which which kind of leads, you know, to, to maybe a final point on this section. And that is, you know, if, if a kid comes to you and, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12, 15, whatever it is, and, and says, you know, I was using the computer, you know, in public, this is your computer, it's filtered, and I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden, you know, some schmutz, however they define that, you know, came on. <clears throat> At that point, you don't want to interrogate, you don't want to grill a child, right? He, he, she has now come to you and, and said, here's what happened, that kid deserves a kiss, that kid deserves a hug, that kid deserves a yeshikayah, that kid deserves a 
extra bag of potato chips or, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> oh, hell cookies, you know, whatever it might be. Um, a, a lot of support, a lot of encouragement, you know, for you, you 100% did the right thing. I'm sorry you had that. Do you want to talk about, you know, what it is that you saw? Do you have any questions? You know, but, but you know, really giving kids over that message, um, you know, Bachram, that, you know, they, they 100%, um, you know, did the right thing. Um, Okay, so so maybe let's uh, you know close out this section and and talk about uh, you know kind of uh, from you know from Bacherhood you know some of the things that that need to take place. So um, you know Bach Hashem nowadays I, I've I've definitely seen that um, you know the the level of education in college classes you know has has definitely like you know um, you, you know gotten amazing. Um, you know, obviously, there's there's always going to be a range. Um, you know, Hassan Shmuzin have generally stayed the same, um, and and um, you, you know, I th I think we kind of have to move, uh, you know, to, to a model where whoever's giving a Hassan Shmuz, you know, needs to ask the Hassan, you know, potentially again, not not in an aggressive "I got you" kind of way, but but really needs to understand, you know, potential issues that that might be coming up in their intimate relationship or or in their um, uh, you know, marital relationship. I think finding out about abuse and potentially how much that might impact things is is really important. Uh, you know, potential exposure to pornography and talking about uh, some of the messages that are there is, you know, are, are things under control? They're not under control. How are we going to keep them under control? So, you know, when, when it comes to, to the chasen shmuz, um, it, you know, I, I think, again, guys are, are kind of, you know, lagging a little bit behind. Um, and, and again, this, this isn't a conversation about, you know, getting anyone in trouble. This is really a conversation about, you know, let's, let's try to find out, you know, potentially what some of those challenges are going to be. And then, um, you know, hopefully um, addressing some of those challenges. And in those conversations, you know, being able to talk about realistic expectations of what intimacy actually is, as opposed to the way it might have been presented in, in pornography, um, you know, when, when uh, you know, Bacher, uh, you know, who's been involved, um, you, you know, who's, who's engaged, ready to get married, who's, who's been heavily involved in, in pornography, you know, comes to my office one of you know the ways that that I describe it uh you know and again I I, I apologize for for using the last one but but I think it's important you know I just describe you know the, the first time people are intimate as like you know co-ed naked twister it it's it, it's not it's not clean it's not in a dirt sense but but it's it's not halak it's it's not orchestrated there's, there's no makeup person and there's no uh you know hair person and there's no lights and there's no it, 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 it's 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 it and it's humorous right if, if we kind of look back on it but 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 they need to understand right that 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 it's 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 not going to be as as orchestrated right as as they might have seen real people don't look like the models that are presented right that that might not be a, a real part of them at all um, they, they, they really need to understand that they, they need to understand the objectification. They need to understand how to create intimacy, right? How, how uh, male sexuality is very, very different than female sexuality and, and, and how to be, ex, you know, extremely sensitive, um, you know, to that, um, you know, uh, different love languages, obviously that, that take place. I, I hope everybody's uh, aware what, what I think is, is an amazing book, the five love languages, uh, written by uh, a very religious uh, Christian uh, named Gary Chapman. Um, the the sodas are are 
you know what I think so passionate and so straightforward and so well illustrated um, that that you know I I think every new couple um, my opinion you know sh should be reading this uh, should be reading the book and in, in order to to sensitize themselves not only to their own love language how do they want to be loved but <clears throat> also you know to to this idea of you know how how really to to love somebody else people's love languages might be uh, physical intimacy but but they're for other ones so so learning that right which which is kind of like the the counter to pornography or the anti pornography because pornography presents you know a one D image here's how you connect but but being able to present a, a very different kind of you know image um, you know winds up being really really important. The the other thing that you know that that I think is important to to speak about uh, you know in in uh, in a chassan class and and I think they do educate um, you know the, the girls um, you know in in a healthy way about this Indian is you know sometimes no matter uh, how into things uh, you, you know a man might be um, you know sometimes there is premature ejaculation that that does take place and and that can take place over you know a series of times it doesn't necessarily only you know have to last once uh, erectile dysfunction obviously as as somebody uh, as a man gets older uh, <clears throat> there's uh, medical issues um, you know, tend to come out in terms of uh, potential erectile issues. The, the first place, uh, you know, generally speaking for older men, as, as men get older, right, I should say, the, the first place we want to look uh, if there is an issue of erectile dysfunction is medical causes. But for younger individuals, right, usually it's it's because of a lack of, of experience, which which is a beautiful thing. Um, sometimes it can be psychological factors as well. The inability to obtain uh, kishu aver. Sometimes it's anxiety. Sometimes it could be medication that somebody's on. Uh, sometimes it relates to, to actual sexual interest, right? That that might have been covered or or suppressed uh, by an individual. So the the point is that that the chasen shmuz is a good opportunity, right, for the chassan magic to be able to, to speak about, um, you know, potential issues that might come up in, in this area. So, you know, being able to speak about premature ejaculation, um, you know, if it lasts, you know, more than X number of times, you know, definitely be in touch. There are things that we can do, um, you know, generally it resolves itself. If there are erectile issues, you know, especially at the beginning, you know, do we think that this is nerves? Do we think that this is psychological? Or it's very possible that there could be medical issues that we never really knew about because it wasn't, you know, very shy to, to know about. <clears throat> um, you know, I, I, I met a couple of months ago, uh, you know, a, a young uh, married man where intimacy was extraordinarily painful for him. And and he thought that this is you know kind of just the way it was and you know kacha and and you know so I, I heard what was going on right away you know sent him to a urologist sonogram um, you know and 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 there were uh, you know there there were uh, vein related issues um, you, you know that that was causing a tremendous amount of pain so we we definitely want to look um, you know for for all of the factors that potentially are, are taking place. Um, so, so we always want to be thinking, right, about the medical, potential medical causes. We want to think, be thinking about psychological 
uh, causes that are taking place. Um, but the most important thing, you know, I think when it comes, uh, let's say, to to a, a, a chassan rabbi, uh, you know, certainly to a father, uh, you know, having a conversation, you know, with his son before he's getting married, you know, kind of putting these putting these issues, um, you know, out on the table to to be able to to speak about them. Um, you know, kind of the the next uh, developmental, uh, you know, kind of issue that that takes place. So, you know, I, I think it's generally spoken about, um, you know, quite well. That um, you know, as as the the nida cycle, you know, generally progresses for a couple. So, you know, it it, it could be physically, you know, difficult to to uh, keep that physical uh, distance. But you know, people generally understand. You know, especially you know, uh, at, at somebody younger who's getting married, they understand. Okay, two weeks, you know, and Amir Tashem, everything will will be well. Um, you know, and then you know a, a woman gets pregnant wife gets pregnant and you know sometimes the the mindset right of of the newly married individual is okay so now there's no more nida <clears throat> to to be able to to sensitize you know a, a man to to the realities of what being pregnant actually means and what a woman is going through especially in the first trimester of of her life and while it might be the first thing that's on this newly married man's mind of okay, woo, no, no more need the psycho. It 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 sometimes is the very, very, very last thing that's that's on a woman's mind, based on all of the other changes, right, that that are taking place and, and how she's feeling. So, you know, being able to have that conversation. And at that point, it's it's always going to be a question, right? Who should have it? Is is it the father? Is it uh, Mashpia? Is it the chasin rabbi? Right. It, it's always a question, you know, who who is the person attached to? Um, you know, per perhaps it's a series of shirim, you know, when this happens, listen to this shir. You know, I, I, I can think of, you know, different ideas, you know, potentially about how to do it. But but the next developmental stage, right, is is really um, helping this newly married um, man to, to become sensitive to the the stage state the the changes the stages um that that's you know occurring um you know occurring for for a woman uh you know particularly when when she's pregnant and, and kind of not seeing uh, you know only as this opportunity to to not be restricted in that way but you know kind of using that as a growth opportunity um you know to be able to to um, you know, move forward really in, in deepening the relationship, albeit in a non-intimate uh, kind of, uh, non-physically intimate kind of way. Uh, the next, you know, challenge that that needs to be spoken about, uh, you know, is is kind of post-birth, where where there's, you know, you're kind of like thrust into this, uh, you know, uh, almost immediate uh, physical distance that's that's taking place. Um, natural part of you know natural part of life to to be able to you know speak about how to handle those challenges and then you know kind of the the next developmental stage is is when you know that process you know repeats itself you know over and over you know we've we've learned we've we've you know developed coping coping methods but you know certainly for for the man to be sensitized to to how to keep you know a physical relationship interesting you know for for both for both parties um you know how how to handle you know some of the challenges where uh you know jewish women are are pulled in 25 different directions and 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 they're you know they're they're the ceo the cfo the chief mommy officer uh you know the chief cook and battle washer they're, they're pulled in so many so many directions 
to, to be able for a man to be sensitized to, to the fact that sure physical intimacy is 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 wonderful and it's beautiful but there's so much to do um it, you know and, and kind of be sensitized to that how they can be helpful how how that can be organized how we can you know kind of carve out that that together time and and not take it as a personal affront oh you don't want to be with me right but but taking it the way that it probably is and that is you know that there there's a limited amount of time and everything needs to get done so how are we going to work that out together and and i think men in particular need to be sensitized to to this idea right that that they can say oh, I, I i don't know i i don't feel i don't feel like doing xyz a a, a, a mother a wife they, they 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 don't have that luxury of, of being able to i'm not saying they shouldn't but i'm saying that the reality is they, they don't take that luxury it's probably the more accurate way to say it right they, they, there's no break there's no vacation and and being able to recognize right that that um you know that that's an important uh, sense of of intimate dialogue that needs to take place and and for a man to to be sensitized right to 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 that reality um you know again as as um you know as men get older um uh, increased weight can can impact uh, sexual functioning, uh, certain medications, uh, cholesterol, um, blood pressure medications can can impact um, uh, functioning as well. Um, you know, overall health, uh, pre-diabetes certainly diabetes will will impact overall functioning. So, if you know, it, it, important to kind of be sensitized to this issue also that if you see. Um, you know, changes in performance-based issues, right? Being able to, to try to address that again later on in life, it's probably a medical issue. It's probably not at that point uh, psychological, though it could be, right? But being able to kind of, you know, explore those medical issues. And, and the flip side of that, you know, is is sometimes the, the women feel like, oh, you, you don't find me attractive anymore. Oh, you don't find me, right? Some, sometimes that unfortunately might might be a dynamic. Which you know, obviously, certainly, certainly needs to be explored also. But sometimes that's kind of taken too personally, and and really, what's going on is, um, you know, the the impact of alcohol, or uh, you know, putting on twenty pounds, or being pre diabetic, or some of the medications that that somebody might be on. So, uh, you, you know, th that's also you know part of that relationship and and that communication that needs to take place in order to really try to to figure out. Uh, what it is that's going on. So, um, you know, I, I, I hope that, that this was helpful. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I still hope that it was helpful. But, but obviously, you know, uh, th there are some wonderful medications, you know, if, if there are uh, performance-based issues, there, there are some, you know, wonderful medications that are out there. Obviously, everyone needs to feel how they feel about medication, et cetera, et cetera. The, the point is, you know, explore it from a medical standpoint, potentially psychological standpoint, but, you know, certainly that that uh, communication in order to make sure that there isn't a, a misunderstanding of, of what it is that's going on. <clears throat> so I, I guess, um, you know, that was kind of like, <laughs> you know, our whirlwind tour, uh, you, you know, through developmental stages, uh, we spoke about pornography as well, um, definitely would, would uh, you know, be happy to, to open up to some questions that anybody might have, you know, regarding different developmental stages, how to have conversations, you know, kind of what to be looking for, maybe the fuss and schmooze, uh, you know, type of things, but certainly happy to take questions at this point.
okay, I'm, I'm sure at uh, three o'clock in the morning, uh, I don't even know if everyone's on the same time zone, but I'm sure at three o'clock in the morning, everyone will have questions. I, I guess, you know, you you can send them, uh, you, you know, through, uh, through the administration and, you know, if appropriate, they can filter it down to me. Um, I just want to say, uh, you know, thank you to mikvah.org for uh, for having me on, uh, for, you know, allowing me to share some of the thoughts and experiences. Um, I hope what we spoke about, um, you know, was helpful. I, I completely understand that it was kind of like very whirlwind. Uh, you know, hopefully I was able to, uh, you know, provide uh, some depth in, in uh, you know, in, including the breadth of, of what it is that that we were, uh, you know, talking about. So thank you so much for for tuning in. And Emir uh, Tzashem, what we spoke about will, will be helpful in order to protect kids and, and hopefully uh, educate in the best way possible. Thank you so much once again. We hope you enjoyed today's recording. Please take a moment to leave a rating or a review to help others find the podcast. We welcome you to support our vital work at mikvah.org forward slash donate. For feedback, please email podcast at mikvah.org. Have a wonderful day.